It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Tresengos. And I'm Stacy Barquison. Welcome back to the Stacy and Stacy podcast. This is F- season three, episode eight. And we are still digging into all the rich wisdom of Dr. Alice Von Hildebrand in her book, by Love Refined, Letters to a Young Bride. And like we've said every episode, just in case this is the first time you're tuning in, this is a book where Dr. Alice, a.k.a. Lily, that's how she signs her name, has is writing to her goddaughter, Julie, who just got married to her husband, Michael. And Julie is asking questions and needing uh, advice and guidance and Lily is giving her all this wealth of knowledge, this this advice that she's giving her, this years of wisdom and experience. And I wish that we had a Dr. Alice or a Lily when we first got married as well. Okay, so we are going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to dig into the discussion today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for our marriages. Thank you for the grace and guidance that you give us. Lord, we we ask that you help us to just rest in you, to trust in you, to uh, surrender to you, to surrender our marriages, our families, our future to you. We love you and we need you. Come Holy Spirit. Mother Mary, please pray for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stacy, what does the chapter say today, or the letter? Okay, the letter today <laughs> is called, Why Doesn't He Say I Love You More Often? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think every married couple gets there at some <laughs> point. So let's see what um, Lily says to Julie. Dear Julie, please don't be too upset at Michael for thinking that his helping to do the household chores sufficiently demonstrates his love. Most men are surprised when their wives expect them frequently to say, I love you. It's not that such husbands don't love. It's that they feel their actions speak louder than their words and that therefore declaring their love is unnecessary. After all, they argue, when we were dating, my declarations of love were necessary to convince you. Now you're convinced. (laughs) we're married. So why should I repeat what I've already convinced you of? Listen to my deeds. <laughs> this logic would be persuasive if the words I love you were meant merely to convey information. Fortunately, they aren't. They're meant for something far deeper. They manifest a love that calls for repeated manifestation. In this way, they keep their full virginal value every time they're repeated. Gently let Michael know that just as his deeds should continually reveal his love for you, so should his words. (laughs) Declarations of love can't be too frequent. Repetition has a deep meaning in music and in life. In marriage in particular, should be a symphony of love. Mm. With deep affection, Lily. Mm -mm -mm. So that's such a beautiful 
letter that she is writing to all of us. Stacy, why do you think Lily thinks most men are surprised when their wives expect them to say, I love you? I don't think they should be surprised at all. <laughs> and when you were reading this, I... Men don't be surprised. Yeah, that's right. I remembered a saying, I'm sure we've all heard it. I told you I loved you on our wedding day. If anything changes, I'll let I'll you let know. know. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> To think that some men actually, or even some women actually think that. But in this letter, Lily says she believes that such husbands feel their actions speak louder than words. And she goes on to say that the husband might say, listen to my deeds. There is truth to what Lily is saying, though. Some husbands and wives are just not as vocal as others. I mean, remember last week we discussed how we're all created uniquely different. There's no one size fits all, right? I mean, I have six children and... They all receive love differently. They all love differently. I love them all the same, but I love them differently in different ways because I want them to be able to receive love from me. Um, if you are someone that, you know, doing the dishes makes you feel loved, then if someone buys you flowers, that's not going to convey love to you. I love quality time. That's if someone spends time with me, that's your love language. it is. I mean, if someone's I feel like time is something that is so valuable that we can't get it back once we spend it. If you will take an hour out of your time, I mean, an hour out of your day to spend time with me, I feel loved. Now, <laughs> if you want to do the dishes with me one night, then I feel like I'm really loved because <laughs> doubly loved because you're spending time with me, helping me do something. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get done early tonight and we can spend more time together. <laughs> <It's all about laughs> time. That's right. I think during the courting days, we are trying to put our best foot forward. But if you're in a dating or a courting relationship, I encourage you to recognize, to take this time to discover how you can best convey your love for one another in a way that it is most adequately received and reveal how you receive and how you give love so that there are no surprises after you say, I do. And make sure that you're honest with your future spouse. Make sure you're honest because you don't want to be just one of those cool girls that mm -hmm. says, oh, I don't need to hear I'm loved all the time. I'm yes, I'm do. secure. I don't need to be reminded that you love me. I mean, if that's not the truth, then don't say it, because if you say it, he's going to believe you. And then when you get married and he doesn't tell you that he loves you all the time and you start questioning that, he's going to think, who are you? Who's this girl that I married? You've done a complete 360. <laughs> but I do believe that you need to keep saying it because I think a lot of people fall into the trap where they get kind of comfortable with one another and they stop. So Stacy, I was reading earlier this week and I was reading Evangelii Gaudium. It's a 2013 apostolic exhortation by Pope Francis on the proclamation of the gospel in today's world, the joy of the gospel. And he says something that was very interesting. Marriage now tends to be viewed as a form of mere emotional satisfaction that can be constructed in a way or modified at will. But the indispensable contribution of marriage to society trans transcends the feelings and momentary needs of the couple. I felt like he was talking about the bigger picture. Yeah. And since you have such a big picture view, can you talk to us about this? Yeah, I love how to bring this together. I love how Dr. Hildebrand and Pope Francis complement each other on the love of marriage. So go back to what Lily was saying in her letter. Lily is Dr. Hildebrand. 
Lily says love must be manifested often in marriage, daily affirmations by saying, I love you. Pope Francis says, likewise, the contributions of marriage transcend emotional satisfaction. So we have Lily bringing it down to life. They manifest um, something deeper in, in marriage. And Pope Francis is saying we need to lift love up, but love will lift us up above the mundane. So it, it really, it's before and after, beginning and end, over and above. It's throughout the marriage. And I think it's easy for couples to forget how important it is that they acknowledge their love. Their, your love is the relationship. That's what brings you together. That's that's your oxygen. Mm. And there's power in saying, I love you to someone. It is, I mean, we are, we are rational creatures made in the image and likeness of God, body and soul composite. We stand out among other animals. The other animals are not rational. We can speak truth to each other. We can speak love to each other. And there is power in those words. I don't care what the language is. When you say, I love you to someone, it really is a balm to the soul. It's something from inside you that you communicated to the other person. It is music to the ears, as she says. It binds you together. And I challenge you to make a point to tell your spouse, if you don't believe me, make a point just to start doing that. Tell your spouse, I love you and watch his or her reaction. You can see the other person melt. Of course, choose your timing. You know, don't don't do it in the middle of brushing your teeth or in the middle of an activity when the focus is on something else. Like as you're kind of setting them up for, for failure, then, hey, I love you. Did you just hear me say I love you? Put the toothbrush down. Say that. <laughs> now, don't don't do that. I mean, you do have to choose your timing when the other person will hear you. Um, but say it where the person can hear you and then watch. <clears throat> I have noticed even with my toddler granddaughters. When I when I get down on their level and and I look at Evelyn in the eyes or Octavia or Olivia in the eyes, they're young and they don't really understand what that means. But when you get down on their level and you say, I love you, they know it means something very deep and mm -hmm. very necessary. Watch them mm -hmm. and your husband or your wife. They are no less little kids running through the world with their arms open wide saying somebody love me and the person they need and have a right to loving them is you if you're their spouse. So say that to your husband or your wife and trust that they know it means something very deep and necessary and, and make a study of watching what happens when you say those words. If you don't believe me, try it and watch what happens. And don't write to us and say something goofy happened because we're, <laughs> we're going to ask you if you didn't charge your time well. But really convey that and see what happens. Stacy, though, how do you keep the words alive? How do you keep them from becoming empty vessels, empty words? Mm. Well, Lily says in the letter today that the phrase, I love you, isn't meant merely to convey information like, hey, it's raining outside. Dinner's ready. I love you. The oil in the car needs changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not supposed to be just that uh, informational. Mm -hmm. The phrase is meant to convey something, like you said, deep. She goes on to say that if we're able to maintain the depth of the meaning of the phrase, I love you, then it keeps its virginal value every time it's repeated. <laughs> I know I kind of laughed when I read that. <laughs> but That's how do we value. how do we do that though? Well, I have several ideas about this. First, we have to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4:23 says, with all the vigilance, guard your heart. 
for in it are the sources of life. We have to be careful what we are willing to entertain. And actually, Pope Francis um, quoted Pope John Paul II in the Evangelii Guadium. 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 I do like saying Evangelii. I think that's fun to say. <laughs> we were we, the one we referred to earlier. He said, as a result, the negative aspects of the media and entertainment industries are threatening traditional values and, in particular, the sacredness of marriage and the stability of the family. I knew a woman who, when her babies were little, she would schedule their nap times around the afternoon Lifetime movie. And it was always about a young love. Some man brought some woman flowers in every single movie. It was romance, just gushing romance and devotion. I used to watch those Lifetime movie networks also. And there was always someone pouring their heart out and confessing how they genuinely loved the other. Well, she, like I said, she scheduled the nap time for her little ones around this movie so she could watch the movie. And she told me one time that when her husband got home from work, she was fuming because she'd been thinking about this movie all afternoon and how devoted and loving and kind and tender this man was <laughs> in the movie and comparing this guy, this fictional character to her husband. And, you know, she, he would come in the door and she would say something like, Richard bought Jenny flowers today and he told her how much he loved her. And you never, oops, there's a, a flashback never, to yeah, the never say always. Never say <laughs> never and always. But you never say that. They went on a vacation to Europe. We never go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she would just let him have it because she was so upset. So she was telling me that the Lord arrested her one day and told her to stop watching these movies every afternoon. And she did. And she stopped filling her mind. She stopped filling her mind and her her soul with these movies. And she stopped getting mad. She stopped crying. She stopped fighting with her husband. And so we have to guard our hearts and our minds. Yeah. We have to be careful what we put, what we watch, what we entertain, um, what we focus on. And that takes me to sec my second point. The second thing that I think we need to do is, again, focus be careful what we focus on. You have to work at focusing on the yeah, good so because much. the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren will point out the negative, the bad things about your spouse. And if you focus on them, you'll get to the point where when you say, I love you, it sounds about as passionate as yeah. don't forget to feed the dogs. All right. And third, yes. guard third, your guard your heart, focus, on, focus the on the positive. And the third thing I believe I mentioned it in a podcast week or so ago, Pat and I committed to not taking each other for granted. So how do we do that? So four ways not to take each other for granted. If you feel comfortable praying with your spouse, I can't tell you how powerful that is in a marriage. If, if you're not comfortable doing it, then just start out praying the Our Father together. Just start out doing something small and pray independently pray that God would you know, grow that in your relationship with your spouse. And number two, pray for your spouse. Pray and ask God to bless them. Ask God to show you the way he sees them. Ask God to give you a fresh love in your heart for your spouse and pray and ask God to guard your marriage. Pray, pray, pray over your marriage and your spouse. And number three, be grateful Thank God for your spouse. Thank him for your spouse all the time. And number four, and this is a big one, tell your spouse that you are thankful for them. And don't just say, I love you. Tell them specifically what you love about them in that moment. Mm -hmm. Let them know that 
you know, I love you when you hold me when I cry. I love you that you hold me every time I cry. I love that you laugh at, that we laugh at ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I love your heart when you praise the I Lord. I love that you fix the, the, the vacuum cleaner. What's that thing you used to mow the grass? The lawnmower. Well, the lawnmower. I love yes. that you fixed the lawnmower, lawnmower yesterday. Yes, yes. I mean, be specific and tell your spouse what you love about mm -hmm. them in that moment. And um, Stacy. Yes. Lily uses the phrase, and I love this. She uses the phrase symphony yes. of love. What does that phrase mean to you? And how can we create an atmosphere of love in our homes? Yeah, it gets, I think it gets down to um, doing your part. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, and, it, and so that means communication. But, mm. but what I mean by that, if you've played in a band or a symphony before, I have, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you've never played, let me just describe it briefly. I used to play the violin in symphony orchestras when I was in high school. And I also played the clarinet and band when I was, was also in high school. And my kids play in the band too. And I, I thought a lot about it. What is the benefit of doing this? And, and then as a chemist too, I, it played well for me because you have to think about the details and the whole. You have to think about the parts and the whole simultaneously. And it's beneficial playing in a symphony because you learn to play your part so you're there on the violin, you're playing your violin part, the notes on your page, but you can't just go rogue. You can't just mm. play what you first. You can't play what you want to play. You can't ad lib, um, but you can't play at any tempo you want to play it either. You have to pay attention to the director and you have to play your part well while fitting into the greater whole. Mm. Your part is necessary for the whole to come together. And so you're kind of nervous because if you mess up, you mess up the whole think. Mm. <laughs> um, or, you know, when I was young, I, when I was in high school and I played in the symphony, I was the youngest person there. So sometimes I would just not play at all. Mm -hmm. I would mess up. Mm -hmm. I'd get scared. I fake it. <laughs> but, but translate that concept into your marriage, what it means to be a symphony of love. It does mean we each need to play our part, do your part. And there is again, power. There's so much power. It's so effective when you as an individual take responsibility for your role, that was one of the healing things that Jose and I went through. It was me. I, I literally said to myself one day, Stacey's time to grow up. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can't keep blaming him for everything. Even if you think he owns more of the responsibility than you do, even if you think he did more things wrong than you did, you got to start by taking your role. You got to pick up your own violin and play your own music. And you got to pay attention that it fits in with the rest of the orchestra. If you want to hear I love you more or rather if, if you think um, the concert piece that is the phase of your life that you're in, whatever phase, marriage goes through phases. If you think this phase of your life needs more I love you's in it, start with yourself. Say it yourself more. And that, that doesn't mean, you know, so this, this gets a little touchy because I have been there. Stacey, you've probably been there, too. You're listening. You've probably been there. You say, OK, I'm going to say I love you more and I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch and see if he says it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be watching to see if he says it back. And I am going to put a little tick mark down on this tally I'm keeping in my head of just how many times he says it back right away. And, and look, if you're doing that in your marriage, it is kind of normal. It is a normal phase. It is not a healthy phase. It is a phase you're going to have to grow through. It is something you need to deal with. Okay. Because your symphony ain't working. Mm-hmm. If you're saying I love you and you're watching to take score, something's not right. Okay. But why? 
communication, back to what I was saying. When we communicate, we have an idea in our head. Stacy knows I have ideas in my head right now. <laughs> but what's coming out of my mouth is what I decide to put into words from the ideas in my head. You never really know what all's in the head of the other person. Yeah. And what's in the heart of the other person. I communicate words that come out. But Stacy may not even define the words I say the same way I define the words I say. If I say I love you to her, it might mean one thing and I may mean it in a different way. Communication is hard. Mm -hmm. It has to start in your mind. It comes out your mouth. It goes into the ears of the other person and then it gets processed in their heart and soul. You know, not just their brain, but it gets processed in your soul because we're body, soul composites. And so it is a good opportunity to watch because this is one of the most fundamental things that we need as humans. We need love. And so say it to your partner, do your part right, say it well, say it and mean it. And if you're saying it out of spite to take score, you better deal with yourself right away, mm -hmm. like pronto, like right now. Mm -hmm. You better figure out why you're saying it that way, because there's a problem there. Um, and that's, that's just how it goes. Um, Jose and I went through periods like this. So I'm speaking from experience. I have taken score and I have been hurt because he didn't say it enough only to find out he had been taking score for longer than I have. And he was just waiting for me to catch up because I hadn't said it enough <laughs> in the earlier days of our marriage, but we would get hurt by it. And this can be a really serious thing. I mean, for, for over a decade, this is how it was with us. And so our love yous were not a symphony. Our love yous were tests. Mm. And, and I would let my imagination run wild then. He's not hearing me say, I love you. He's not repeating it back. He doesn't love me. He's going to leave me. He's going to cheat on me. Our marriage is going to fall apart. Oh my gosh, this thing I have put my whole life and heart and body and soul into to become one is about to become fractured all because he didn't say, I love you the way I thought he should at the right time. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're in that situation, it happens a lot in mm -hmm. marriage. It happened to us. It is ridiculous though. It's not a symphony. Looking back, I can now see that the friction was indicative of a deeper communication problem. I've talked about it before when the therapist said, y'all have a communication problem or I, I guffawed or whatever that word is. I laughed like a, a jackal. <laughs> like, you gotta be kidding me. No, but it, it is a communication. Communication is so critical to who we are as mm -hmm. rational people. And it's something you need to fix. Okay. That's the good news. It turned out Jose didn't feel safe telling me he loved me because he had pain. He was dealing with his own fears of rejection. I had insecurity. I honestly had been a sinner. I was converting. I was becoming Catholic. I was dealing with my sins. I didn't feel worthy of love. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of waiting for him to pull out and leave. We did not have a symphony. We had noise. Mm. We had noise. And it took a couple of years of therapy. So 10 years of, of living that way. It took a couple of years of therapy, even when we decided to work on it. So if you find yourself in this situation, we're trying to encourage you. Don't lose heart. Do address the problems. Mm -hmm. If you can't say I love you and mean it, there's a problem. OK, mm -hmm. and you need to, to deal with it. Um, it took a couple of years for us in therapy to learn to really listen to the other one. We talked about that before. You repeat what you heard and it's not anything what the other person said. Mm -hmm. and, and to trust that we do, in fact, love each other and that we're in this marriage for life. Those were scary days because it was when I first realized I can't control him. Mm -hmm. I can't control whether he loves me or not. I can only control myself and 
maybe I'm not giving him a whole lot of reason. You know, when you look in the mirror in those days, you're, you're, you see someone who's not being very lovable. So if you're in this kind of discord, let me and Stacy be an encouragement to you. You absolutely can fix it and it is worth doing. You have to rip your up in your chest and throw it all on the floor. <laughs> of course, like we always say, if you're in an abusive relationship, so we, we want to acknowledge that. We just don't dwell on it a lot because you need to get help that we can't give you. There may still be something that can be fixed, but you're not going to fix that in the same way. You got to both want to communicate well. And if one of you doesn't want to communicate well, just wants to hurt the other one, there's something abusive yeah. there. Um, before love can be manifest, safety first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're not in a safe marriage, that's got to be fixed first. And we're, we don't have the time to go into all of that, but you can't do what we're talking about before with the, I loves you. I love you's unless there's safety first. Mm -hmm. Stacy, what do we, what are the take homes today? Well, I, I love symphony versus noise. I love it. When you said that it reminds me of uh, first Corinthians in chapter 13, it says, that if you do not have love, then it's just a sounding gong, a clashing symbol. I mean, it's show. just, yeah, <laughs> it's just that noise. And, you know, love makes all the instruments work together so that you don't have that clashing symbol or that noise. And, and, you know, I too have been in relationships where, you know, I say it because I need to hear it. And that's an insecurity on my part. It's like, I'm not saying it because I want them to feel loved. I'm saying it because I need to hear it. And that's, that's a selfishness. That's not genuine. My love wasn't, I wasn't willing to go to the other. I was willing my good, you know, yeah. I wanted to hear it. So I think that, you know, like you said, the first thing is always to do a heart check, always to start with yourself. You want to make sure that when you're telling your spouse that you love them, it doesn't matter if they tell you yeah. back. It's like fishing for a compliment. You know, oh, honey, you look good today because you want him to tell you that you look good. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's, you know, not to, not totally honest. That's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you want to do a heart check and make sure that you're um, the reason you say you love your spouse is because you love them. And I, and I just want to interject. It, it really does work because there's night and day difference in me and Jose. If I go up to him and I grab his face and I look him in the eyes and I just say, I love you, honey. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. He would build me a new house for that. Right. Right. He and anything. he can feel yeah. when it's genuine and he can feel when that, you just need to hear it. I back. get the joy out of just saying it. Yeah. It's joyful to me. Yes. So what, I'm just agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, well, and there's one other thing I want to just add. You know, Stacy has said, I think you have said, Stacy, in almost every episode that we've done about, you've talked about laughing, mm -hmm. how important oh, yeah. laughter is in a marriage. Well, you know, it is. It is important. And I think that when you're laughing and keeping it lighthearted, your I love yous are just that it's just easier to say because there's just laughter and peace and joy. Be able to laugh at yourself. Be able to laugh lovingly with each other. We've all heard laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. Yes, it is. Always. I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacey Trisankos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>